Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you modeled for us. You gave us the example and gave us the way. You are the way. You are the life. You are the truth. And right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to hearts and lives. We celebrate with those today that are going to go public with their faith. We welcome those who are guests. We pray for those that are spiritually on the fence, that they would find a resolution found in you this morning. Would your Holy Spirit go up and down these rows, and would you speak to us individually? Would you encourage us? Would you help us to continue to seek you? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. God bless you. Welcome. Excited to see you. Take your Bible, if you have one, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number six. The book of Ephesians, chapter number six. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee on your way in and that you are comfortable and ready. We are in part three of our series entitled Diary of a Wimpy Church. And we are discovering and looking at uh, some of Paul's writings that he wrote to the churches. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And if there's any portion of scripture that Paul wrote that really speaks to how we can be the opposite of wimpy, it's Ephesians chapter number six. And so I wanna read beginning in verse number 10. If you don't have a copy of God's word, you can download the Southridge app, which we have the sermon notes as well as a copy of the Bible on that app. Or you can download what I use just about every day is the YouVersion Bible app. And you can use your iPhone, uh, you can use your Android, you can download it. It's a great resource. It has devotionals. It's got cool pictures that you can post out to social media with all the verses you read. But it's a great resource for you and I to have. The best thing about it is the fact that it has this little winning streak on it. And uh, sometimes I may go... all day without reading my Bible. I know that's terrible as a pastor to say, but I'll I'll go just about all day. And then I think of that little winning streak. I was like, oh, I'm on a good streak. I I can't break it now. You know, so it's like, I got to read something real quick. Can't break my streak. And so, you know, it kind of helps you to get in the habit of reading the word of God. So Ephesians chapter number six, let's look at verse number 10. And then we're going to read down through verse number 18. The scripture will be up on the screen The word of God says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, He's saying in light of everything that's out there that you can't see, he's saying put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, I love this, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Isn't that good? Man, the word of God is powerful. And then he says, stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. 
For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The Apostle Paul is speaking of an unseen, unheard realm. And the best way for me to kind of illustrate it and to describe it, I have to go back to when I was 15. When I was 15, I went through something that was called behind the wheel driver's training. How many of you did behind the wheel driver's training? Yeah, there we go, a few of you. How many of you remember when your high school offered it? There we go. Okay, now look around the ones that raised their hand there. High school offered it. They are the really old people, okay? <laughs> they, they ratted themselves out, okay? All right? Uh, all our tax dollars somewhere, that got lost, okay? Just kidding. I, I love all of you. And I'll ask forgiveness later. Everybody is young in spirit in this church. But we are glad that you're here. But you remember behind the wheel driver's training. I remember they, they pulled up to the little Christian school I went to and it was a white Mitsubishi Gallant. And I was all excited because all my buddies would talk to me about the cars that they would get to do their behind the wheel driver's training. And the nicer the car, the better the clout that you got. And so I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, okay, Mitsubishi Galant, it's, it's not bad. So I got in and I was, I was excited because I was used to going to the arcade and driving. So I just figured it's pedal to the metal. Let's go. Let's get this driver's training going. And so I started driving and then I would notice something that would happen. As I would approach an intersection, I hadn't, hadn't hit the brake yet, but the car started to slow down. I was thinking, man, self-driving cars, they've been around. Elon Musk, it's been here. We had it, right? And uh, we would go a little bit. And sometimes I would be going just a little bit too fast. And I would just notice this car just slow down. I was like, this is the strangest thing. I didn't hit the brake. So then I was like, okay, I'm getting annoyed. So I'm going to test this thing. Let's just go for broke here, okay? My parents paid for the behind-the-wheel driver's training. So let's just kind of see what this, this gallant can do. And so I just began to accelerate in this gallant, except it didn't matter how fast I hit the accelerator. This car began to just slow down, and then I heard the instructor say, pull off to the side. <laughs> I was like, what? What's going on? And she said, are you hitting the accelerator as hard as you can? I said, yes, because your car, something's broken. And then she said, look on the other side of this little console that separated us. And I looked on the other side, and there on the other side, I noticed something that I didn't know you could do in a car. There was another brake on the passenger side. My wife has been wanting that passenger brake installed on our cars ever since she figured out that you could do that. You see, I thought I was in control. I thought I could affect what was happening because I was driving. I had the steering wheel. You know, some of you feel like you're in control of life and there are things happening around you that you cannot explain. I'm talking about some of you don't know why you're suffering from health crises. Some of you are suffering financially. Some of you are suffering emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Some of you wonder how you just lost the job, how the relationship broke up. Some of you are just wondering, and I'm here to tell you this morning 
that some of the things that happen in the world you can see are being affected by things you can't see. And until you and I realize that our world that we can see is being affected by a world we can't see, we will continue to be the victim of our lives. You see, what the Apostle Paul is trying to do in Ephesians 6, he's saying, guys, I've spent five chapters just telling you about Christian life, but now I'm going to get real for a second. Now I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. And it's almost like the Wizard of Oz is pulling back the curtain, and we're getting to see who's controlling the handles for a second. It's almost like the part of one of my favorite movies, The Truman Show, where Jim Carrey then figures out he's actually in a movie. He thought it was his life, but his life was all being controlled behind the scenes. And some of you, you're going to feel like that because that's what the Apostle Paul is doing in Ephesians chapter number six. He's saying, guys, there's an unseen world out there. And if you are not prepared for it, you are going to be defeated by it. So some of you have been wondering why you're battling depression, why you're battling defeat, why you're battling discouragement. And it is because of this unseen world that affects the world you can see. And so with that thought in mind, let's dive in. First of all, in verse number 10, he says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Stand firm against who? All the strategies of the devil. First of all, you need to understand that Satan has schemes. Satan has some schemes. He has schemes that he has planned to take you and me out. He doesn't want you succeeding in this world. And so what he's going to do is he's going to have some schemes. And some of you wonder why you are losing in this world and not winning. It's because of what he is doing, what he is scheming against. And Satan has three schemes that we need to look out for. First of all, his greatest goal is to keep you unaware of all of it. And I'm going to apologize right now in advance. I rewrote this message, so none of what's going to show up on the screen is really my message. So, guys, have fun. Show whatever you want. You can put cartoons up there. I don't know if any sports teams are playing. Do whatever you want on the screens. I'm just, so you're going to have to kind of take notes. But understand this. Your, the greatest scheme has is to get you to just be unaware of all of it. He wants you and I as Christians to never read Ephesians 6. This week, I was just wondering why I was just facing extra spiritual attack. What do you mean spiritual attack? You see, Jane and I don't fight that much anymore, okay? Anymore, all right? That's BC, before Christ, now after Christ. You know, it's different. Well, actually, after two years of therapy, it's different, okay? And uh, so when we start fighting, it's not, and especially if it's not about anything, I know none of you other couples ever fight about nothing, but Jane and I sometimes fight about nothing. I mean, when I say nothing, it is about nothing. And we'll laugh about it later. We'll be like, what were we fighting about? I can't remember. It's because it's about nothing. And then I have to go back and say, why am I irritated? Why is everything bothering me? And I began to realize that as I studied Ephesians 6, as I started looking into what we call spiritual warfare, I began to realize Satan's coming after me with a scheme. He doesn't want you aware of what he's up to. You see, when somebody's going to rob your house or your business, they don't call ahead and say, does Tuesday evening at 1.30 in the morning work for you for me to rob you. You'd say, ah, I'm sleeping. My teenager will be up gaming, but I'll be asleep. My teenager will open the door for you, but I'll be out. A robber doesn't do that. 
Satan is not going to let you know when he's going to attack you. As a matter of fact, his goal is to keep you blinded to that he even exists. Why do you think in the world today there is such an infatuation with the devil right now? He just wants you to think he's just something we celebrate on October 31st on Halloween, that he's just some fictional character. But understand this, even though he's invisible, it doesn't mean he's fictional. And some of you think the devil, because he's not visible, is fictional, and you could never be more wrong. You see, Satan wants to keep you unaware. Because if Satan can keep you unaware, then you won't know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He said, lest Satan should take advantage of us. You see, that's Satan's goal. His goal is to take you out. His goal is to mess your life up. As a matter of fact, you go to John chapter number 10. He says, the devil's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, once you're dead, what's there left to destroy? So he's trying to ruin all reputation. He's trying to ruin your kid's life, your grandkid's life, your business, your influence. He's trying to destroy all of it. That's what destroy means. He doesn't want any of you. See, Satan hates you and he's real. But as long as you keep thinking, oh no, that's just something that, you know, the, the musicians and Hollywood and special effects just kind of make, made up. My friend, he is real. And he wants to go after you. Even Jesus didn't say in any of his writings that, oh, don't worry about the devil. He didn't say that. But the apostle Paul said, we are not ignorant of his devices, but yet I feel like some of us are kind of ignorant that Satan's after you. You say, how do I know that I'm ignorant? Because some of us will try to get as close to the devil as we possibly can because we think it's not really gonna hurt me. You're kind of like my boys, I can tell my boys, hey, when you're climbing the tree, don't go too high, don't go too far on the edge. And they're like, ah, we can do what we want. We moved into a new house that has stairs. And they like to, they think the railing is good to get on the other side of the railing and kind of hang off of it. And I'm screaming, saying, no, 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 that's how you can get hurt. And some of you will do some foolish things. Oh, I can travel on my own without my spouse. And I could just do crazy things. And I could just be wild and nothing bad's going to happen. You're putting yourself in a spot where the devil can influence you and where the devil can invade your life. Some of you financially will do dumb things. You think staying out of church will be good. And you think, man, I don't need my Bible. I don't need to pray. And I'm telling you right now the devil is saying "Ooh, easy pickings and he's rubbing his hands together when you and I feel like no he's just he's not real see you're ignorant of his devices you see we shouldn't be ignorant because the devil wants you and I to be unaware you see we should be aware of how strong we are in Christ you know circuses back in the day used to have elephants and if you ever looked at how they would keep the elephant there when the elephant was just a baby. They would just tie a simple rope and they would put a stake in the ground and then the elephant, when it was a baby, would pull against the rope and they would feel like, I'm not strong enough to break the rope. Did you know as the elephant got older, they wouldn't keep the rope anymore? But you know, the elephant never left because in the elephant's mind, the rope was still there and it wasn't strong enough to break the rope. And Satan's goal is to keep you ignorant of how strong you are in Christ. And some of you, as long as you feel weak in Christ, you will be weak in Christ. But what does Philippians 4.13 say? And I can do all things 
through Christ, which strengthens me. Not some things, not a few things, not uh, uh, some little big things. No, 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 I could do all things through Christ. You see, when you know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what Satan brings against you. And some of you this morning, you don't know how powerful you are in Christ. Yeah, in our flesh, in this dirt suit, we're not very powerful. But in Christ, you are a force to be reckoned with, to pull down strongholds, to pull down darkness, to pull down demonic influences and to bring the light of the gospel to your home to your community to your job but as long as satan keeps you unaware he's doing good so we can't be ignorant of his devices but then satan doesn't just want to keep you unaware write this down if you take notes he wants to keep you unarmed you see uh, uh, the devil he's against the second amendment i'm not making political statement here i'm just saying uh, you and I are supposed to be armed this morning. Now, I will not ask who is actually armed, but if you have a Bible this morning, you are armed, my friend. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, you are armed this morning. You see, this word is called our sword. This is our weapon. This is what Jesus used in John chapter number four when Satan came against him. He said, it is not written he quoted scripture to the devil. Some of you, you can't recall any scripture because you haven't memorized any scripture. You don't have it with you. And Satan wants you to be unarmed. He doesn't want you to have this. He wants you unarmed. He doesn't want you to put on the whole armor of God that you can stand. He doesn't want you standing. Are you kidding me? He did everything he could to make it so you wouldn't even want to come to church today. He fought you with him. And you don't even know why you felt the resistance to come to church. You ever... You ever Pulled up at a small group Bible study. You just sat in the car and you're like, I don't know why, but I just don't want to go in and have a Bible study right now. I felt like that. I've come to church on some Sundays and I pulled up in the parking lot. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't want to go in. That's called the devil and his schemes. And you know how many people this morning, they succumb to the devil and his schemes? Don't tell me the devil's not real. The devil is real. Sadly, the devil is real. And he has keep, kept so many Christians unaware and unarmed. But 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to pull down strongholds. The weapons we fight with can pull down what Satan is building. We are all about the kingdom and building God's kingdom. And you have a weapon in your reach that can pull down the kingdom of darkness but yet you and I were kind of anti-second amendment we're like oh no no no, I don't carry man you need to be packing always be packing touch your neighbor and say you packing you packing you need to be packing it's a dangerous world out there you should be packing you packing this morning you got to have that word with you it's not so bad if you have a little extra than the word as well San Jose is a dangerous place you see, if you are unaware and you are unarmed, your life will be unchanged. And how many of you are tired of your life just being unchanged? I am. Somebody once came up with a quote. They said, until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, nothing's going to change. So until you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, your life's going to stay the same. And so the devil wants you to be content. He doesn't want you to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. He wants you to just have a same old, same old. You say, well, what? What do I do? 
My question is, why are you tolerating the devil's torments? Because in verse number 13, he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will stand firm. You see, God has chosen you to resist. But you know what many of us do? We're like, I'm a pacifist, God. I don't want to fight no battles. I love everybody. That's good that you love everybody. We should love everybody. I'm just telling you, the battle's coming. Whether you're ready or not, the battle's coming. Oftentimes, I've asked God, and I'm saying, God, would you remove this trial? Would you remove this difficult? God, just remove it. What God is trying to remind us, he's saying, no, 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 put on the armor and resist it. I'm not going to remove it. You see, when you have the armor, you don't need to have God remove it. You can withstand it. And some of you don't know how strong you are in Christ because you have not put on the whole armor of God. And you said, okay, come at me. You know, I never got to play uh, Pop Warner football, but I always wanted to put on all the pads. They're like, all right, somebody hit me. I just want to feel what it's like. So the next closest thing I get is to watch Kane and Austin and Megan because they do Taekwondo and they put on all their gear and they're all padded up. And Austin came out to me one day and he did this. You know, the padding's really thick, so he kind of came out like this. And he said, Dad, hit me. I was like, is anybody going to call Child Protective Services on me afterward? That, that was the first thought. He said, oh, you're a terrible parent. I'm just saying, when you have kids, these thoughts run through your mind. And I was like, how hard and where can I, can I, can I hit this kid? So I was a good dad. I was a good dad. So, you know, you just kind of just, ah, you know, ah. And he's like, no, Dad, hit me. I was like, <laughs> yes, I get to hit him. No. But you know, you, then you give him a good hit, you give him a good kick, a good punch. He's like, I didn't feel anything. Why didn't he feel anything? He had some armor on. He had some padding on. You see, some of you would be more bold. You'd be more courageous. You'd be more daring. You'd be more on fire for God because you know the devil can't hurt you when you got your armor on. But as long as you don't have the armor, then you are afraid of every demonic influence, every demonic power, every ruler and principality. You're afraid of them because you know you can't stand against them. But when you got the armor on, God's not going to remove it. He won't need to remove it because you can resist it. Because you're ready for it. You're ready for it, my friend. You see, we need to move from being spectators and realize we're soldiers. Some of us are spectators. And God's calling you to be a soldier. He's calling us up. I know there's no draft anymore. However, I'm drafting each and every one of you who are blood-bought children of God who named the name of Christ, you've been drafted. You are a soldier in God's army. You are there to bring light and peace. We don't fight with the weapons of this world. What are the weapons of this world? Guns, knives, bombs. We don't fight with that. We fight with peace. And we bring peace of the gospel that every heart that is longing for peace, there's a crack addict who's been sleeping out in front of our church all week. Every day, I'd come out. Hey, Seth, how you doing? That was a rough night, Pastor. I bet it was. Bro. <laughs> Finally, Friday, I was like, oh, man, I'm just oh, sick and tired. I was like, Seth, let's have a conversation, man. What's, what's, what's going on? Like, do you like this life? He said, no. He said, I'm a physical therapist. 17 years. And then I... 
because I was a physical therapist. I could write prescription drugs, and I started writing my own prescription drugs. He said, I don't have a penny to my name. I just need to get home to New York. I said, what if we could make that happen right now? He said, what? I said, if that's going to be the help that you need, because I'm, I'm, I'm done with this, and I know you're done with this, so what's going to take to get you the help that you need? And I'm here to tell you, Christian, what's it going to take? For you to say, hey, this is what I need to get in the game. This is what I need to get off the bench and get in the fight. Because there are your brothers and sisters who are bleeding out on the battlefield looking for reinforcements. And they're looking around and they're seeing churches closed. They're seeing Christians that are transitioning out of their faith. They see people that are saying, I don't know if this book is true. There are people that are saying, I'm no longer engaged. I don't know if I'm with it or I believe it anymore. And they're looking for reinforcements. And yet you and I were spectators. I got to run a Spartan race yesterday. Alexis, you were right. I'm going to bring it in, okay? I paid $168. I'm going to get my sermon illustration out of that race. There were two types of people in that race. There were those who were running, and there were those who were watching them run. Some of you are in the race, and some of you are spectating watching them race. And the ones watching said, oh, I did that before. Okay, that's good, but what about now? Some of you said, oh, I used to serve before. I used to read my Bible before. I used to fight for God before. Yeah, but what about now? God's calling us up into the fight. Stop being a spectator. We need to get serious. We need to get strategic, and we need to use the scripture. But here's the thing. I just got back from the Philippines about five weeks ago, and before we went there, I had to ask Jane. I said, what do I pack, okay? Because I got, a, I got a closet full of skinny jeans, but I just feel like in the hot, humid Philippines, that's not going to be the, the, I don't think I'm going to want my skinny jeans. Because you're going to need scissors to just cut them off my legs because it'll be just, just soaked with sweat. It's be nasty. She said, no, 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 no. You need these, uh, you know, microfiber shirts. You need loose clothing. And you need shorts. You see, she told me what I needed to dress. How I needed to dress. I think many Christians aren't, dressed right we're not dressed for the occasion you don't come in with your armor you 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 come unready to the fight you're unprepared there were some people that showed up yesterday to the race unprepared and you would see them as we're on the back side of these hills out there in monterey you could tell they were woefully unprepared i'm like Looking around at somebody who was prepared. Can I get a piggyback ride? Carry me the rest six miles back. I need help. You see, when you get out there, when the, when the temptation comes, when the trial comes, are you going to be dressed for it? Are you going to be ready for it? You see, our dilemma today is that so many Christians aren't dressed right. We're not dressed for a fight. You see, God calls you to be strong and to stand, but if you're not dressed for it, you're not going to be able to. Verse 14, he says, stand your ground but I'm not going to be able to stand if I'm not dressed for it. I got to put on that whole armor of God. But I love what he said. He said, stand. And I underline this. I highlight it because I've never seen it before in this scripture. He said, stand your ground. He said, your ground. Whose ground is it? It's yours. It's not the devil's. Some of you are letting the devil take your ground. Yeah. 
You are giving the devil your family. You are giving the devil your marriage. You are giving the devil your children. You're giving the devil your influence. You are giving the devil your life. You are giving the devil the best years of your life. And you are giving up ground. It's yours. When are you going to stand for it? When are you going to stand on your ground? It's yours. God said this is yours. You don't fight for the victory. You fight from the victory. God said, I already got it for you on the cross of Calvary. I gave my blood. There's no more battle you have to fight. You just got to stand there. You just got to stand in the victory. And yet we as Christians don't just stand in the victory. God's given to us. He says, stand your ground. Just stay in that relationship. Just stay in that church. Just stay in that word. Just stay on your knees. Just stay in prayer. Just keep going. You know, the, the biggest trick to so much of life is persistence. But yet when we face any resistance, we're like, oh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. And here we see the devil wants your ground, but it's yours. What are you going to do with it? You're going to give it up? You're going to walk away? He says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop any of the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. See, God wants you to stand and not stumble, my friend. That's what God wants for you. But here's the problem. Armor doesn't work if it's not worn. I am not into hiking. I'm not into cross country. I'm not into all of that. However, I've told you multiple times, my wonderful wife is. And so we will do these extreme hikes and I'll hear it every time. I even hear it from the owner of my gym. He'll be like, sunscreen, gotta put on sunscreen, gotta have sunscreen. Now, if you haven't noticed, I'm a pasty white, okay? Uh, Borderline translucent, okay? And for me, I get in the sun, and man, the sun just hits me, and then I start to glow bright red. It's like when you know the lobster's cooked, right? That's kind of how I look, and it doesn't take long. Yesterday, I was wearing a uh, headband, and I took off my headband, and it was red and then white, right here. I was like, oh man. I told Jane, I was like, what am I going to do? She's like, I have makeup. I was like, no, no, that's not, that's not, no. I was like, you're Filipino. I'm white. I don't know. Your makeup's going to work for me. You know, it's not really my color. And I don't, I know Angel does that kind of stuff, but I don't know if I'm into it yet. Okay. I'm just, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. All right. Love you, Angel. But can I tell you how many times we'll go out on a hike and I'll come back and I'll just be burnt and then I'm doing this oh it hurts don't touch me it hurts and here's the worst part of it in my backpack you know what there's a full bottle of sunblock it wasn't that I didn't have it you see it does you no good to own something you do not use and many of us We have it, we're just not using it. You see, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. However, it does you no good. It's not that it doesn't work. It's just you're not wearing it. 
I bet this morning, some of us have not thought about the armor of God since Sunday school with the old flannel graph. You remember the old flannel graph? That's when you think about the armor of God. It's got the Roman soldier and got the pieces of armor. And we don't think of it as a daily practice that I need to put on the whole armor of God. Because each and every day is a new day that Satan's going to try to bring a scheme. He's going to try to bring an attack. He's going to try to divide your relationship. He's going to try to come after your influence. He's going to try to come after you spiritually. He's going to try to come after you mentally and emotionally. Every day he's after you. And we just wake up and we're just oblivious to it. Not realizing the enemy is there. And it's a problem. And it's not that it doesn't work. You're not wearing it. It's not about having it. It's about using it. Are you using the armor? Now here's the thing about the armor. The armor of God protects you from attacks. It doesn't prevent them. And some of us kind of are stuck in that mindset that I want God to prevent the attacks. No. God never promised that. He said, but it will protect you. Here's another thing. What you wear is what you're representing. What you wear is what you represent. When I put on the armor, I'm representing God. I'm representing him wherever I go. So I put on the belt of truth. You know, the belt of truth is what holds everything in place. If you could picture it, a Roman soldier would put on the armor and then the belt would fasten and keep everything in place so it wouldn't move or wouldn't jostle. But the belt of truth wasn't the only thing. He said, put on shoes of the gospel of peace. Peace is our foundation. This is what God came and sent Jesus to is to accomplish peace for us. This is what we walk towards. This is what we're giving. And he wanted us to have the foundation of peace. He wanted our shoes to be that foundation. Shoes are important. I got some great advice to wear old shoes after the race yesterday. And I was carrying a bucket of rocks up this hill. And that's when I realized that whoever gave me the advice, Peter, about these old shoes was horrible advice. Because I got this heavy weight on my back. We're coming downhill. And then something began to happen. You see, there are people who were moving a little bit slower than I was. And I thought I'd be polite and I'd pass on the left. So as I began to pass on the left, my left leg knew what to do. My right leg thought, no, I'm going to stand right here behind this guy. And so imagine as I'm going downhill with this weight, you don't want to drop the weight because you don't want to have to pick it up. It's heavy. My left leg kept sliding out from under me. And so I'm doing this motion with this weight down this hill. And the guys are like, I didn't know we could do that. I said, I didn't know I could do that either. And then the rest of the way, I'm just in a lot of pain. Because I didn't have the right shoes on. And can I tell you this morning, some of you were like, why am I failing and slipping and sliding in life? Why is life difficult? Because you don't have the armor to stand on. God wants you to stand. God wants you to have something that'll keep you there. However, what's messing you up is that you don't have the right equipment on. Next, he says, take the shield of faith. Why? Because the devil's trying to fire these fiery darts. And it's interesting. If you ever watch a war movie and you see the arrows, they got the fire on it. What is the goal of that flaming arrow? To start a bigger fire. What Satan is trying to do is start a bigger fire in your life. So if he could start an argument, that's just a small little fire. But man, if he could just get you and your spouse just separated, if he could just get in your business, if he could just fire that little arrow, it's amazing how that little arrow can just become a bigger fire. That's why it's a fiery arrow. He's not worried about just hitting you with a fire arrow. He's trying to start a bigger fire in your life. He's trying to do more damage. This is why you need to take that shield of faith and have it ready to protect you. And then he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, when he attacks, we use the word of God to rebuke him. 
But then all of that armor is how we are delivered. But here's the thing. The promise is deliverance is for those who are dressed for it. Verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. It says if you got the armor, you could do it. If you got it, you can do it. So deliverance is for those who are dressed for it. So if you constantly keep getting defeated, it's because you are not dressed for the fight. And when you and I are dressed for the fight, we will not be defeated by that fight. We will be delivered through it. And so Christians this morning, we have to say, I'm going to fight. Many people believe that there are six pieces of armor. I believe there's a seventh. And with the remaining time, I'm going to invite the worship team to the platform now. With the remaining time, I want to look at verse number 18. It's the seventh weapon. It says, pray in the spirit at all times. On every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I, I think this is the most overlooked piece of the armor, is prayer. Because as I grew up in the old school days where they put the flannel graph, they had the picture of the soldier, they never put up prayer anywhere on there. But yet Paul mentions it. He ends with it. And I often thought, why would he mention it? Now, for me, when I wake up in the morning, I begin to pray, say, Lord, I need to put on the whole armor of God. I need to put on the helmet of salvation so my thinking is right. I need to put on that breastplate of righteousness to guard my heart, my emotions. I need to have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want to be able to stand in peace. I need that belt of truth. I need to know what is truth. I need to take that seal of faith. I need to take that sword of the spirit so I'm ready for whatever comes at me. But I don't often think of prayer as that seventh weapon. But then as I began to meditate and say, why prayer, why prayer, why prayer? Then I began to realize why prayer was so powerful, why prayer was so important. And it's because what prayer does. You see, Satan hates it when a Christian prays. He hates it because he knows that the word of God in Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show you great and mighty things. John chapter number 15, 14, he says, ask what you will and I will do it. Over and over, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. That's prayer. Your prayer is powerful. But what prayer does is even more powerful. You see, what prayer does, it takes the fight back into the unseen realm. You see, I can't go into that unseen realm. There was no way I could get my left foot over that console and try to be able to handle my own break. I couldn't do it. All that I could do was stay in my lane. But until I got into that seat, then I could control that break. And here's how you and I do it. You want to know the secret that Paul's talking about right here? He's saying it's time to take the fight to the devil in his territory. You see, you and I will never win until we take this battle to his front door. And his front door is in the battle of prayer. You see, prayer is often misunderstood because prayer is a weapon, but it's also the battleground. You know, when an eagle hunts, have you ever watched how an eagle hunts? You know, an eagle has a grip 10 times stronger than that of a man. That's how strong its claws are. There are photographs of eagles picking up sheep, picking up wolves, picking up dogs. Sheep can lift twice their body weight. It's incredible what an eagle can do. But if you notice how an eagle attacks, it's flying high. It swoops in out of nowhere, stuns its enemy, grips its claws into it. And what does the eagle do with it? Does it keep it there and fight it there? No, 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 no. 
You see, while the enemy is stunned because this eagle has come screaming down to the earth, it grabs it and then it pulls it into its element. He says, okay, I can't win on this turf, but let's come to mine. Come on, wolf, let's fight on my turf. Hey, Christian, you know what prayer is? That's your turf, not the devil's. That's where you say, hey, devil, you want to fight me? Let's come to my turf. You know where my turf is? It's right here. It's in a posture of prayer. It's right here. And the devil can't win when you are on your knees because you're like that eagle. You are taking that enemy. You are taking that uh, source of food and you're taking it to a whole nother dimension. You're taking it to another realm. And it, I've seen rattlesnakes. I've seen cobras. And the eagle will grab it and it'll take it to another dimension. It'll take it to out of the atmosphere. And that snake who is venomous, it's powerful. That wolf who has teeth, who has claws, who should on, on equal playing field should be able to beat that eagle. But when the eagle pulls it into a new dimension, all of a sudden that eagle has the upper hand. That eagle can win. And this morning, none of you are weak when you have the armor of God and then you get into your prayer closet. That's when your marriage is saved. That's when your children are one. That's when strongholds are pulled down. It's when you remember how powerful prayer is. That's why he says be persistent in it. And this morning, we need Christians that have the whole armor of God that get into their place of prayer and say, my job is not where I want it. My career is not where I want it. My faith is not where I want it. This situation is not where I want it. And I can gripe. I can complain. I can scream. I can holler. I can can get mad, I can run, I can self-medicate, or I can get to praying about it, and I can start to shake things up. And here's what you got to understand. You see, prayer operates in two dimensions. It operates in the unseen that affects the seen. You see, it was our prayer that got us into this building. We began to pray, God, we need a place. God, we need a place. We need to be able to minister to more people. And our prayers in the unseen begin to affect what is seen. My friend, we are walking in our reality that we prayed for before we could ever see it. One day, we're going to be walking on our six acres of land that we prayed for, and our prayers are what paid for it. It's the prayer in this unseen world. And there are Christians that are not yet Christians who never thought they'd be Christians that one day are going to fill these chairs because of your prayers because you kept praying for that neighbor you kept praying for that loved one and you weren't going to give up because you knew your prayer could affect something in the unseen that'll affect this world that is seen you don't like what's going on what have you prayed about it because I know you can complain about it I see your Facebook post blah 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 blah. it's like verbal vomit I'm tired of it nobody wants it stop it close it down stop it Go to your knees and pray about it. Stop whining to all the Christians. You get in your Bible study, you just whine about everything. Stop it, stop it. Nobody needs it. It's not going to change anything. But you know what can change everything? Pray. You upset about something? Have you prayed about it? Have you asked God to do something about it? Have you asked God to intercede? You don't like your life? You don't like the direction? You don't like what's going on? We are so good at blaming everybody and never taking action. You are not the weak thing or weak person that this world has told you you are. You are no longer spectators. You are soldiers. And no, I'm not going to ask what your profession is. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it. But when it comes to this life, you and I have to know what we're all about. Your title may be doctor, maybe engineer, maybe business owner, maybe stay-at-home mom, maybe teacher, maybe construction worker. Doesn't matter. You're a soldier and you're called to a fight. 
And this fight is not with flesh and blood. You see, the person that you think is so terrible, you don't like the laws, you don't like the rules, you don't like the things, this is gonna be hard. They're never the enemy. They are the opportunity. And they need Jesus Christ. And yet you and I, we can be cursing the darkness or we can just say, I'm gonna shine some light on this situation. I'm gonna see what God wants to do. Amen? Right now, we're gonna prepare for baptism and I'm gonna dismiss everyone that is ready to be baptized. You're dismissed. But can we all stand as those are being dismissed? The worship team in just a moment is gonna play and lead us in a song of invitation. And then we are gonna join with those that are about to be baptized. And this morning, as they are leading us in a song of invitation, if you need to say, God, I got to put on that armor now. You don't have to wait till later, till you go home. Maybe you say, right now, I'm going to put on that armor. I'm going to get ready. I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to be ready for whatever is happening. The day's not over. It's 11 o'clock. You got a lot of day left. And Satan loves to wait outside the front doors of every church. Because he knows some people, the word went in one ear and out the other. And he knows you're going to walk out those doors not ready for the fight. I've had the church service. You hear a great message. You hear a great worship. God speaks to your heart. You get in the car and you fight about the restaurant. You fight with the waitress. Kids fighting, screaming, flat tire. And instead, it's time to say, you know what? No. I'm going to be ready for whatever God has. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we need you. We just pray right now that you would move in a powerful way. For those that do not know Christ, may this be a call to come to Christ. May those who claim your name, may they represent you well by putting on the whole armor of God. We no longer can be unaware, unarmed, and unchanged. Father, we need you. And so, Father, step into this moment. Step into our situation. Because we have to realize how powerful our prayers are. So I pray as our church that we would approach each and every day with the whole armor of God that we'd realize what we are we're no longer spectators we're soldiers in heaven's army and we're here to bring peace, joy love and righteousness may you begin it in us God we pray this in Jesus name amen worship team would you lead us Thank you again for spending time with us today, and a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.